Welcome to episode 23 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dot and Theo, as always. So first and foremost, how are you doing, Theo? I'm good, thanks. Um, enjoyed the game on Tuesday and now I'm ready for, for the game on Sunday. But otherwise, I'm doing, I'm doing good, thanks. Big, big game, big game on uh, Sunday. Um, yeah. But as always, before we start, we kick off. You can follow us on our social accounts on Twitter. It's at From the Shed End. That's all one word. And on Instagram, it's at from the shed end, and there's an underscore between each of the words. So um, all the social details can be found in the description of the audio episodes and also on YouTube as well. So just give us a follow, a like, and subscribe, comment, and interact with us as well. Give us your thoughts on what we're we're going to discuss today. So uh, let's take it back to Tuesday. Brilliant game, frustrating game in some ways as well, but um, a much deserved one nil victory win against Zenit since Petersburg so just give us your thoughts on the game yeah I think it was a bit of a lacklustre performance if I'm honest um it kind of linked it was a bit similar to the performance on on um on Saturday against Villa except that they weren't weren't really the same amount of goals when you look at that Villa performance a lot many of our goals came from defensive mistakes and against Zenit it was the same I think we struggled to kind of create chances it wasn't the best performance we've seen under Thomas Tuchel, if I'm honest. Um, the atmosphere at the bridge was brilliant, by the way. Absolutely brilliant from start to finish. And it's kind of a shame that the performance and the level of the quality um, wasn't kind of on par with that. But otherwise, you know, I could just, I could kind of complain about the performance. But at the same time, we got the three points. We kept a clean sheet. And that's what's the most important. And um, the goal in itself was, you know, from Lukaku again, who just needs one chance in a game. And he'll bury it. And I think he's got 14, 14 goals in his last 14 UEFA um, club um, appearances, I think, which is, you know, goes to show that he's, he's a man for the big occasion. And the cross from Aspie was superb. You know, the amount of crosses oh. we've seen, um, you know, from that kind of position, I think he used to, do, you know, assist Morata from that position. Torres, we've seen, you know, he's, he's assisted all kinds of players, you know, with that cross from the right-hand side. But um, one thing I just wanted to pick up on, I feel like um, I, I'm not, I don't want to call out names or anything, but and it's just a one-off game. But I thought Ziyech and Mount could have been a lot better on the day. I thought they kind of struggled, you know, create, um, to, to create chances and also, you know, get their passes together. But I think that's um, credit to Zenit. I thought their midfielder, uh, Barrios, the Colombian midfielder, was brilliant. Yeah. And he kind of prevented all those balls, you know, getting from the midfielders to the strike to Lukaku. And he intercepted things very well. And he, I think he was probably the man of the match. Um, you know, for the day, if 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 Zenit managed to get a point out of it, but in the end, um, thanks to Aspi and Lukaku, we got the three points, and now we're we're at the top of the group alongside Juventus. Yeah, and I I agree with everything you said. You know, I thought it was a it was a frustrating game. I agree about the atmosphere. Let's start with that first. I think that was mainly down to the fact um, of all the sort of entertainment before the kickoff of the game in terms of the awards being handed out to um, Thomas Tuchel, Jorginho, Angola and Kante um, and... Mendy. Uh, who am I forgetting? Mendy. Sorry, yeah. How could I forget Mendy of all people? Um, so I think that was the atmosphere. Anyway, Champions League night, it doesn't, doesn't need a reason to have an atmosphere at Stamford Bridge, but I think that helped the fireworks display as well beforehand as well. All of that sort of built the game up to to hopefully be a good game which like you just mentioned you know three points and I've said it on the last episode is what you take away from it at the end of the day and that's it but I agree with you I think I think Zenit came to play for a point I don't think they want that you know they would rather have not conceded to an, as opposed to scoring a goal the main objective you know looking at their their domestic formation usually is 4-4-2 to come to Stamford Bridge and set up with five at the back and four midfield and one up front kind of told you that they were there to, to just hopefully keep us out of, um, you know, out of their box and scoring. But I think as the game went on, 
and especially with the changes that uh, I think when Kai Havertz came on as well, those kind of changes, it just added a bit of a different dynamic to the game for us as well. So I thought, I mean, the pass from, like you said about Aspie, that, that pass was spot on. But one of the things that I wanted to pick up on was the fact that it's still difficult for Lukaku where he is to to get up, time the header the way that he did. Because I think the way that he was marked during the game and how he's, he's marked anyway is, you know, it's very either, you know, very close to him or defenders try and give him a bit of space. But then the, both of those things are very dangerous to do with Lukaku because giving him too much space is, you know, it's like suicide to an extent. Um, but then also, you know, being too close to him, you know, he loves that because he knows he can sort of, you know, use you, you use your body, use you, roll the ball, roll, you know, so he can do that as well. But Lukaku's a player that I feel has definitely, and I know we spoke about him before, but he's one player that I feel has definitely added to his game in terms of the type of goals he's scoring. You know, he's not just scoring, um, you know, tap-ins or he's not just scoring penalties. He's, he's an all-round striker now, number nine that we've been crying out for. But I do agree with you in terms of Mason Mount and um, Hakim Ziyech as well. Do you think that was just down to the fact that Mason Mount wasn't in the um, the previous game at the weekend and, and maybe that had a part to play in it, the fact that he's kind of, you know, because he doesn't really get dropped. And I don't want to use that term that he's been dropped or rested, but it doesn't normally happen with Mason Mount. So do you think it was just a case that he was finding himself back into a game after sitting out for, for 90 minutes? Um, I think, I don't know, you know, I think every player is entitled to have one or two poor games. And I think that was Mason Mount's poor game. And to be fair, Zenit were very solid defensively. And as I mentioned, Barrios kind of kept him out of the game in midfield. But maybe it is due to the fact that, um, you know, he didn't play the game against Villa. Maybe he wanted a couple of minutes um, on Saturday to, you know, get back on his feet after the international break. But um, I've got no doubt that he'll start on, on Sunday and put in a decent performance. And that's the type of player that he's become, you know, under, which we've seen under Lampard and both now Tuchel. So um, I'm not worried at all about that performance. I just wanted to pick it out because it's, it's a bit uncanny from Mountain, let's put it like that. But um, I know I'm not worried. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting as well um, in terms of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I know he only got a couple of, maybe a minute if that, to, to play. But it was interesting that Thomas Tuchel brought him on and I know it was probably for a, a you know a tactical kind of uh, to play a bit of time down in terms of bringing him on but just the fact that he's he's kind of slowly I think um, you know and he's always been he's always praised um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek anyway I think in press conferences but I see Ruben Loftus-Cheek playing a big part for us this season I know he came on for 60 seconds but I think in terms of for instance when we play in the cup the Carabao Cup in, in the week I can see him kind of playing that role um, What's your thoughts? Do you think in terms of Loftus-Cheek or, you know, Ross Barkley, who, who you know, who do you see probably coming into the fold a bit more um, out of those two? I think because I, I was sat right behind a dugout on, um, on on Tuesday and Ross Barkley didn't come out once to warm up, not even once, whereas <clears throat> Malang Sarr and other players like that <clears throat> came to warm up. But Ross Barkley, didn't, he just sat on the bench and didn't move. So I think that's an indication that, you know, in that number, kind of, you know, that mid attacking midfield position I think Loftus-Cheek is ahead of Barkley in that order and as you said I think he will start on Tuesday um, on Wednesday sorry against Aston Villa in the cup and you know it was, it was kind of obvious in pre-season um, he was one of the kind of the standout players alongside Ziyech, Chaloba yeah. and Hudson-Odoi I felt Loftus-Cheek really impressed in pre-season and I slowly slowly I really hope he rediscovers that 2019 form that he had before that injury in the friendly in the in the USA and um Tuchel's praised him before. He's compared him to Michael Ballack while he was still on loan at Fulham. 
And I do kind of feel like Tuchel almost doesn't want to praise him too much. So he gets a bit too confident, but almost wants to make him realize that his his place in a starting lineup isn't assured, which you've seen this season. You know, he hasn't played a one minute of Premier League football yet. But at the same time, you know, he he still values him as a player. And I'm sure he's told him on the training ground, you'll get your chance soon. And I think that chance is going to come on Wednesday. And I think he's going to have a very decent game. And hopefully that'll be his kind of breakthrough moment under Tuchel this season. And yeah. then, you know, he'll, he'll get minutes in the Premier League after that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I, I think, um, yeah, I think he's got a part to play. Uh, like I agree with what you just said, you know, in terms of the preseason that he had as well. Um, we, we called him out as one of our standouts, I think, um, in a few episodes previous. But, you know, he's got he's got the capabilities of being, um, you know, a really good player for us. And like you said, you know, hampered by injuries, I think he probably would have been a, you know, a regular starter for us now. Um, but, but moving on, because I think we've got quite a few things to cover uh, in today's episode, but I just wanted to talk about some of the contract um, renewals and the, the ongoing discussions. Um, obviously we know about Andreas Christensen, who I think is very close. I think the, the contract has been agreed. It just needs to be formalized, but um, just in terms of um, Aspie, captain Dave, um, and also um, and Rudiger as well, the the two key and, and Tiago Silva, I think he's on um I think he's on his sort of final. I don't, yeah, well, he will be only because I think he signed an extension at the start of the season. So, looking at those key areas, all in the same area, defense. Um, what's your thoughts? I mean, obviously, Chris, let's start with Christensen. It seems like it's it's a done deal. Um, what's your thoughts on Christensen signing the deal, the new contract? He's got to sign it. He's been an absolutely fantastic player since Tuchel's, um, you know, come taken charge in January. And I think that three at the back formation with the wing backs is perfect for him. You know, it gives him a lot of kind of, you know, stability in the middle of, you know, two other mid, um, defenders. And um, he's really impressed me. And I don't think he gets enough praise. If anything, he's very underrated as a player. I was speaking to a Liverpool fan yesterday and he was telling me that he still doesn't rate Christensen. And I'm kind of in my head, like, what, what more does he have to do for yeah, me to start Go- to rate him? about Gomez. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then, on the bench. Exactly. And, um, you know, he, he came on for Thiago Silva in the Champions League final and yeah. he put in an, almost a 10 out of 10 performance. You know, he put in some world-class blocks and that for me is a sign of a fantastic defender. You know, you can come in when the pressure is really, really high and just put in a decent performance when you probably didn't get that, you know, first 10, first half of a match to really, you know, get into the flow of the, the, the rhythm of the game. And he was fantastic at the Euros as well. Let's not forget that for mm-hmm. Denmark, but a really, really good campaign getting to the semi-finals. Um, and he scored a thunderbolt. So I just, I want to see that at Stamford Bridge soon. I want to see, he still hasn't scored a goal in, um, in Chelsea, for Chelsea yet. So um, I think it's only a matter of time before he signs the deal. I reckon it's all been agreed um, behind closed doors and they're probably just waiting to announce it now or, you know, finalise the, the paperwork. But I yeah. think um, it's just obvious that it's going to happen. I think he does deserve a pay rise as well. Um, the, the length of the contract, I, I think maybe three, three or four years more, I want to say. But, um, but yeah, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. And in, just in terms of, um, obviously, we've got the issue with uh, Cesar Spliqueta, who, you know, he's almost part of the club, isn't he? He's, he's, when I say part of the club, I mean, he's literally the foundations of, 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 I suppose, the last couple of years, you know, that he's been here and he's been fantastic servant to the club. So I can't really see that we wouldn't offer him what he wants in terms of you know, having that experience around whether it means obviously, you know, Reese James plays obviously a more pivotal role and Callum Hudson-Odoi as well, right wing back. And obviously we've got covering centre-backs so maybe he takes a 
you know, a, a back seat, maybe a little bit more over the next year or so. I think a, a year has been offered to him or will be offered to him as an extension. Um, what, what, I mean, what's your thoughts? If he goes, is, is that something that, because we've seen it before with players at other clubs as well, you know, they've, you know, they've allowed it to, to negotiations to one go and go on and go on. And then it gets to January and then another club swoops in and takes the player from under your feet. So can you see that happening with, uh, with, with, with a split quitter? I can't see it happening. No, I think it will. The deal will be, I mean, if he signs the one year extension, I think it will be announced later on. I think early 2022 or maybe later on in the season. But, um, you know, we saw how pivotal John Terry was when he hardly played, you know, much, much football in Conte's first season, but he was really, really important in the dressing room, probably, you know, to get, have that league, um, league winning type, um, season. I think Azpilicueta can offer something similar, even if he's not playing regularly, which he isn't now. Um, you know, he's playing every other game, I think, and he's switching with Reese James. That we saw it in the Villa game. It was Hudson Adoy who had that, you know, right wing position and he played, um, did he, did he start that game? I'm trying to remember. I think um. he, I think he start, did he not start? I think he might have started as one of the three centre-backs, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, we'll, we'll see him, you know, less a bit less now that, you know, him starting games, um, especially if Reese James back from suspension now. Um, but at the same time, he's got to sign that deal. You know, he's the club captain. He's, you know, you, I see his Instagram stories. I mean, it's not, social media is a very different world. I know to the actual what happens on the pitch. But he's, you know, really kind of vocal on, on social media in terms of how he can, you know, he unites the group. He tags all the different players and all, all the other players and reshare his story almost like he's the captain. I'm going yeah. to follow him. And um, I think he's been really kind of important to the younger players as well. We don't know obviously what happens in the dressing room on the training ground, but um, I just remember a quote from Mourinho, give me 11 as Pilaquetas and I'll win you the Champions League. And it just goes to show, you know, he's almost a manager's dream to work with. So um, yeah. I think he's got to sign the one-year extension. I'd even offer him two if I wasn't if it wasn't for that policy of, you know, only giving one-year deals to players who are over 30 years old. Yeah. But um, I, I think he'll, he'll sign a, 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 the extension and if anything, he'll probably get, go on to sign another year after that. Yeah, because he's got it in him to do that, you know. And I think he's come out already earlier this week to say that he's not really concerned around the fact that it runs out in June. You know, he's just he, he's happy to play, he's happy to train. It sounds very, um, you know, calm around that situation. Obviously, agents are probably dealing with with the contracts behind closed doors as well with the club. So I think he'll, you know, I think he'll sign. I think there'll be no issues with that. And I, I agree with you as well. I think, you know, give him the one year with the option to extend that beyond that as well, similar to, you know, what we've done with Thiago Silva. But um, the, the one that seems to be dragging and almost come to a halt is uh, Rudiger's deal, which I know we spoke offline about this morning, but um, give me your thoughts because obviously he's, he's it's currently on about 90 to 100 grand at the moment. He wants to double that. Um, sounds like one last payday, um, you know, before he sort of goes elsewhere. But what's your thoughts on, does he deserve, you know, the increase in contract, et cetera, uh, in, in pay? Does, does he deserve that based on the form that he's given us at the moment? The fact he's forced his way back into Thomas Tuchel's plans as well. Based on form, he's probably one of the best centre-backs in the world right now. And I think, again, it's a bit like the Christensen um, dilemma, you, you know, or conversation you have with rival fans. They'll kind of try, try to ignore the fact that Rudiger is actually very, very good this season and last season. But um, yeah, so he's on, I think he's on £90,000 a week currently. And we offered, a, when we tried to sign um, Kunde on deadline day, we offered him 180000 And I think, you know, obviously Rudiger said, you know, you can offer a new centre-back that amount. I want the same amount, if not higher. So I think he's trying to now ne to negotiate for a new deal with 180,000. 
And based, you know, he's, he's 29, so it's kind of maybe the club are slightly reluctant to offer him quite mm. a lengthy deal um, with that much amount of money. And you don't see it too often with centre-backs earning that much as well, I feel. But um, if you're basing it on form, quality of the player, I suppose he does deserve it. It's maybe a bit greedy on his behalf as well. Um, I watched a, a Sky Sports interview with him recently, and one of the questions was, is it true that Thomas Tuchel tried to sign you at PSG last summer? And uh, he did say it was true. So I think there's still that possibility that he's still flirting with other clubs, maybe around Madrid, or Bayern Munich, or PSG. But um, I do feel like he's committed to Chelsea. I don't see why he'd want to leave realistically. Um, we're probably one of the most informed teams at the moment. He's starting every match. He's got a good relationship with Thomas Tuchel. But I do think it's kind of probably a question of money right now, which is in the club, you know, the club's decision whether they want to offer him that amount for, um, for you know, three, three years or four years to come. But um, I, I do want it to stay. I, I was very, um, you know, this time last year, I was very critical of, of, of Thomas um, um, Antonio Rudiger, especially, you know, the way he was kind of, you know, I felt like he wasn't really in Lampard's plans. And, you know, he was kind of criticized. He was one of the ones I think that maybe really pushed for Lampard's exit, you felt. Mm. But um, he's really won me over um, since Thomas Tuchel has come over. And um, I, I want him to stay and sign a new deal, but it's a matter of money. I can't, I can't be the, yeah, I can't decide. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, a, it's the club's decision, I suppose. Yeah. I, I think, I think it would be, because obviously I read this morning, Barcelona are very interested in him. And Why would he go to Barcelona? Yeah, Why would he go to Barcelona? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It just doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. First of all, mm-hmm. financially, I don't think they could even afford him. Mm-hmm. They, they struggle to get um, the new signings from the summer onto the books and, and, and register them. So he tells you that, you know, the, the mess that they're in in, in Spain. But um, I agree. I think it'd be, it'd be silly, first of all, for the club to lose him on the free. So that, that, there's that side of it as well. The fact that if he does, you know, sign a deal with someone else, we're losing a hefty chunk of money, which is not really what we do. You know, we don't we don't tend to do that. So that would, that would surprise me. But also as well, I think he has come on under... Um, Thomas Tuchel. I know obviously he wasn't in Frank Lampard's plans um, to a, to a degree, but he's still, um, you know, he's still developed under Thomas Tuchel. He's he's definitely putting a, a a lot of good performances under him as well. But I do think it boils down to. I mean, there's a lot of players that are on more money than him. Um, not, not not necessarily at Chelsea, but just in terms of you know the like a PSG or a Man City. Uh, you know, I know Jack Grealish is on three hundred and something thousand. Um, very different players, I know, but I just think in terms of I suppose a modern day footballer's wage in today's world, you know, is one hundred and eighty reasonable. Pro- probably is, I, I suppose. Um, you know, there's probably some youth players that are on you know fifty, sixty thousand pound a week somewhere. So, I think it's justified. I just don't know if. I, it worries me that there's this sort of massive gap between like a 60,000, you know, 70,000 difference in what the club are offering and what he's expecting. And the longer those conversations go on, it does make me wonder, you know, another represented rep, rep, representation from another club might come in, mm-hmm. start, you know, turning the wheels a little bit and trying to get those in motion. So we'll just have to see. Um, I think for him, the main thing is carry on playing his football. And that's all we can yeah. ask from him as a, as a fan. That's all we can ask for, you know, until something comes out with a bit more information, but it'll be interesting. And obviously Thiago Silva, that is, isn't on the, uh, the list on, on the screen, but 
you know, I, I, would, would you offer him another contract, another extension? Um, I'd wait a bit longer. I think it's one of those ones maybe you'd, you'd try to look at, you know, how we are with the players we have, maybe the players that are performing out on loan come maybe April, May time and then make a decision on that. But um, based on what I saw in his performance against Aston Villa, I'd be, I'd love to see another year of Thiago Silva. He's one of my favourite players at Chelsea. Mm, and, Liverpool you know, I think, well. and against Liverpool, exactly, yeah. in the second half. Um, and what he does offer to the team is experience again, which is like Aspilicueta. You know, you want those experienced players on the training ground and in a dressing room. And if you lose, you know, these are four players we're talking about con- their contracts, Rudiger, Thiago Silva, Aspilicueta and Christensen. If you lose two or three of those players, you know, that's quite worrying to our back line. I feel that's performed so well in that, you know, Champions League um, winning run. And I think there's always that kind of clause in their, play- their contracts. If they, they still haven't agreed a new deal come January, they can start to talk to, you know, clubs abroad. Yeah, yeah. which is what I'm a bit worried about Rudiger. You know, if we still haven't sorted his, out, his deal out come January, maybe a PSG might come, you know, swooping in and start talking to him, maybe offer him, you know, £200,000 a week or something ridiculous yeah. like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think for Rudiger and maybe um, Christensen, the sooner we sort out those deals, the better. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, we're going to stick with defenders uh, for the wrong reasons, though. But, um, Jim, yeah, obviously the, the news broke yesterday. Um, Reese James... Uh, posted on his Instagram that um, there was a break in during the fact of whilst he, whilst he was playing for Chelsea, um, you know, Tuesday, Tuesday evening, um, you know, I, I don't even want to give them a title, but, you know, horrible whatevers, I don't want to swear, but, um, you know, broke into his house and stole probably what is very, um, you know, not valuable to anyone else, but Reese James. Um, in terms of the three medals that he won, um, the Super Cup medal, Champions League medal, and um, his Euro 2020 medal, um, which was in a safe. Um, I'm still lost for words, so I'm kind of struggling what to say, but just what what are your thoughts? How, you know, <sighs> I was, It was disgusting. I just finished kind of a two-hour work call and I opened up Instagram and I saw what he posted. And I was, like you, I was lost for words. I didn't really understand how you can you know as a human being you can do that and not feel any remorse whatsoever i don't know if they knew what was in the safe if they expected money jewelry um laptops mobile phones but you know it's his winning medals from three huge competitions i mean one of them was them second place medal and you can't really replace those their memories at the end of the day and you know you can't put a price on that and for me it's as well i don't you know obviously it, it happens to you know burglaries robberies muggings happen to a lot of people but Reese James as a person, he's just done so much off the, the pitch as well. And, yeah. you know, he's, 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 he's helped, you know, give out meals to people during um, last winter and during the COVID times. Mm. And he just seems like such a nice person. You know, he comes from a humble background. I think he, he grew up in, um, in Isleworth in West London. And it's just, it's horrible to see. And you just know as well, it was targeted. You know, yeah, they knew that he was, they knew that he'd be away on that Tuesday night playing in the Champions League. They knew where he lived. And if you look at the CCTV footage, you can just see that they kind of, you know, they came as a group. They knew where they were going. They knew how to get in. They knew what they wanted to, to get, which was the safe. And yeah. they knew, you know, they had the car parked ready. To, I mean, I'm almost describing, you know, the, the heist or the, the burglary, but it's just, I just don't get it. I guess as a decent human being, you just don't understand it. And these people, I guess, aren't decent human beings. Like you, I don't want to swear or call them, you know, whatever word of the you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to comprehend. And, um, I really hope, I really hope that justice is, um, like he said at the end of his post that justice is done and they can, um, they'll get caught and the medals will be returned. Yeah. Cause I think there was, 
the sort of things going around. I know you mentioned around social media is not really where you can get sources of information from, mm-hmm. but um, there was discussions on there around, you know, UEFA. I think it was Gary Lineker. Someone mm-hmm. tweeted, you know, to get replacements, but I don't, you know, it's like it's replacements aren't good enough. You know, no. you want the actual medal that you won, that you was given for, you know, competing in, you know, Champions League or Euro, uh, Euro 2020. Replacements are just, it's almost like a replica, it's a replica of what you've mm-hmm. actually had before so you know yeah. you wouldn't really want that but um yeah i just another comment that was on there which is very flippant i think as well was the fact that you know well you know footballers should have better security but we've got to spin that narrative and say well you know you should be able to live in your house wherever it is whether it's gated or not gated and no one break into your house to take your stuff i think that's the conversation that needs to happen a bit more rather than you know well they've got money to buy security but you know, that's not, for me, that isn't the, the the narrative that should be pushed out there. It should just be that you should be able to live in your house and go to work, which is what you did, come home and, you know, your belongings are still in your house. Yeah. I mean, that shouldn't even be a debate whether, you know, footballers should have better security. And if you actually look at the footage, the fact that he has four or five CCTV cameras around the house it's gated. Actually, and it was gated and they were snapping, they, they smashed through the gate and then you could see them trying to drag the gate when they were trying to pull the safe away. I think that's, yeah. that's, it looked like a very secure house. If anything, it's just that they, as I said, it was targeted and it was probably planned days in advance. So I don't yeah. know. Fingers crossed. It's, um, it's good news at the end. You know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of, you know, there's a lot of media attention around it and I'm sure, you know, that someone will know someone who knows someone. So I think hopefully there's some good news. I'm sure he'll post and let everyone know that they've been recovered, um, as well. But yeah, let's, moving on to, uh, some other news as well. Uh, Mr. JT, John Terry himself, um, obviously the second of Chris Hooten has happened, um, predicted it with someone at the weekend and they said, no, he's got a couple of more games. It, yeah, I watched the Cardiff game. It was bad. So um, just in terms of Nottingham Forest and, and John Terry, there's obviously that connection there. He's been linked with the job. He's one of the uh, the front runners, I'd like to say, for the job alongside Chris Wilder um, and Alex Neal as well but he's distanced himself from the job, which is very interesting. And you don't tend to see that from publicly see that from, um, you know, job candidates, if you want to call him that, but what's your thoughts? Would that be a good job for him to, to go into as a, a first job, bearing in mind where they are in the, uh, the EFL championship? I don't, I don't watch too much championship, if I'm honest, but I did read a Eurosports article about their form and how they started off the season. And it was pretty abysmal. Um, I do think John Terry's got a, a, a really good football football brain. I think he was even ready for management before Frank Lampard was, if anything. And you know, those those four, three three or four years as you know assistant coach at, um, at Aston Villa would have done him the world of good to you know be ready for management. And I think now's the time is right now. I think a Championship club is probably you know a good good place to start. Um, Nottingham Forest, you know, historically are a very big club. And I do think that the move would make sense for him. And there seems to be a trend now, you know, with managers or, or clubs going for kind of ex-footballers or ex-players that, you know, only retired a couple of years ago to, you know, take over their clubs. We've seen it with Wayne Rooney, we've seen it with Frank Lampard, even Patrick Vieira now. Solskjaer. So, Solskjaer as well, exactly. Yeah. And Pirlo at Juventus, even though that didn't really work out too well. <laughs> but, um, but I think it's, it, I'd love to see it, you know, and I think it will make a lot of more Ch- Chelsea fans, you know, start to watch the championship and maybe follow Nottingham Forest and, I think it's almost paving the way for, you know, a return to, to Stamford Bridge or to Chelsea in some kind of role eventually. 
So, um, and the fact that he did, you know, step down as the assistant coach in the summer, you know, Aston Villa probably indicated that he wants to take over as a manager. Maybe there's, he wanted maybe a year's a, a break of a year to maybe, you know, spend with his family. But um, if, you know, you get offered a job, you know, in the meantime, it's quite hard to say no to it. So I think it could happen. I don't really, I haven't really been following too much news around it, but um, the move would make sense for him. And as I said, he's got an amazing footballing brain. So I think he'll do, he'll do, uh, he'll keep them up for sure and maybe get them a top 10 finish. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I think he's he's ten to one. If you're a betting person, he's ten to one at the moment. So Alex Nils ahead of him, alongside Chris Wilder and Steve Cooper, who I think was previously at Swansea as well. So um, there are some other candidates in front of him. But for me personally, I think it's a it's a good place to potentially. Well, I'm going to say this first: it's a good place to potentially start your managerial mm. career. But Nottingham Forest are probably the worst team to probably choose to go to. I think the season that they're having at the moment, they haven't won a game in seven. I think they've conceded fifteen. Or sorry, conceded twelve, and only scored five goals. Um, they've drawn one game, sorry, and lost six. So, and as I said, mentioned before, watching them against Cardiff, they were they were dire. It was poor. There was no one in the stands. It was just a, a very disjointed club at the moment and maybe it does need someone to come in fresh um, you know to come in with new ideas and, and just bring the team back up a little bit and you know it's early days still they're obviously not you know it's not doom and gloom they're not going to get relegated and after you know seven games so um, you know they're four points off 21st place which will get them out of the drop zone so it's going to be interesting I, I, me personally I'd love to see obviously John Terry in a managerial career mm-hmm. uh, a managerial role um, and then eventually maybe get his career to Chelsea to see what he can do as a, as a manager. But I think that's probably the right route to take in terms of very similar to Lampard, you know, at Derby, he, um, you know, he had a very successful time at Derby. I'm pretty sure when he picked him up as well at Derby, I don't think he, I don't think they had the best start under him, under Frank Lampard. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and check that. So don't mm. quote me, but I think anyway, the, the point I'm making is that he ended up getting them, you know, into a promotional place built the team up with the loans that he got in. And I think John Terry could do exactly the same. Um, you know, he's a he's obviously had a lot of experience under, um, you know, Aston Villa as well. So he, like you mentioned as well, I think there was managerial traits coming out of him whilst he was playing for Chelsea. So I think there's a lot of that as well. So it's going to be interesting. If he doesn't get the Forest job, I'm sure there's going to be a number of clubs calling. You know, as soon as someone else gets sacked, his name's going to be linked to that that job as well. So it's going to be very, very interesting. But um, let's move to the big talking topic of the weekend for me and you. Um, Spurs versus Chelsea, big game. Um, let's talk about, I don't I just want to touch on their game yesterday. The, uh, the, I don't know if it's called Europa or UEFA conference. I always get confused, but whichever the conference league, um, did you, I don't know if you managed to watch the game, but it was a, oh, it was yeah. a, I watched the highlights a pretty this dire game. Mm. No pun intended, but it's a pretty dire <laughs> game to watch. So, uh, what, what was your thoughts on how they played and what do you expect from, you know, um, Nuno in terms of, the Sunday's lineup and, and the performance that we, we're hopefully going to see from from Chelsea and Spurs. Oh, yeah, from watching the highlights, it just looked like a typical Spurs performance. You know, no spine, a bit, you know, <laughs> a mistake, a, a mistake, you know, in them, I suppose. And that, um, I don't know. I feel like Kane did start the game. I think he came off a bit, you know, around the 60th minute. Uh, yeah. I think he made way for Emerson Royale, um, and that probably meant that you know he was in. He, he's he's going to start on Sunday, and he wants to rest him. 
But um, it was, it's just, um, you know, they started off the season quite well and then we just saw it collapse against Crystal Palace and now against, against Rennes. And I just, it's, it's, I think Nuno's a good manager, don't get me wrong, but um, I don't know if he's strengthened enough in the summer, if I'm honest. I don't really rate too much the, I, obviously the guy from, I think, Atletico Bill Bauer, they signed, I haven't really seen him play much so far. Um, it's just their defenders for me. I think Dyer. Sanchez, Taganga. I know when you compare that to, you know, a Diaz, a Van Dijk, a Rudiger, it's just mm. not there. It's not there. And I feel we spoke about it offline. It's um, they, they've got a few injuries at the moment. Dyer and Son might be fit for Sunday. Yeah. I hope um, Son's not fit, but I hope Dyer is fit because I know that when, <laughs> Dyer, when Dyer is fit, sometimes he, um, he, you know, he's got a mistake in him. And, um, I'll probably come to bite them um, to haunt me now, and he's probably going to put in a really good performance. But, um, but no, I think you know I will come to our predictions later. But it's almost you know favouring you know Chelsea on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I mean, there's a, a couple of key things I suppose to pick out is the fact that you know we played on Tuesday at home. Spurs have played away, um, you know, on the Thursday night as well, which is one of the things that you know obviously playing in the Conference League is going to it's going to hamper their their chances of doing well in the Premier League as well. So I think that's a big thing as well. Like you mentioned, I think Lucas Moura came off injured or with a knock. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously Son, um, they're, they're rushing him back by the sound of things to get him fit for Sunday as well. Harry Kane hasn't been the same player since before the previous season ended and we saw spells of what he can do in the Euros. But since he's come back after the sort of Man City saga that didn't happen, he doesn't seem like he wants to play well, this is my opinion. He doesn't seem like he wants to play for Spurs. He still seems a bit pissed off that he didn't get his move to Man City, which is understandable. So I think this is probably the perfect time to potentially play Spurs, in my opinion, as well. I think I agree with you. I think their, their defence isn't a defence where you look at, like you said, you know, even Manchester United now, you look at, you know, they've got Harry Maguire and Varane. You know, we've got, um, you know, Christensen, Rudiger, um, you know, I could name all our defenders are better than Spurs um, and City Diaz as well so they've got there's always someone Liverpool with Van Dijk as well there's always a key defender you look at Spurs very similar to Arsenal it's always the North London clubs you look at Arsenal and Tottenham they haven't got anyone in there that you look at and you think right this is going to be the person that might cause us a bit of trouble there isn't anyone in Spurs' team and again this might come back to haunt me but there isn't anyone that you look at who started their season really well um, yes, they beat Man City first game of the season, which was, you know, it, it, sometimes it does happen in football that the, the, the team that is the underdog wins the game. And that was just, for me, that's what just happened in that game. But I do think um, it'll be interesting for, from a Chelsea perspective it, how Thomas Tuchel lines up. And by that, I mean, you know, who is he going to pick in terms of, um, obviously we've got the, the game, um, the Wednesday, I think in the cup beyond that as well but it'll be interesting who starts at right wing back does Ben Chill will get a run out as well because he kind of you know um, played a part on Tuesday as well so it's going to be interesting to see if Mason Mount obviously I'm, I'm assuming will keep his place now that he's back in that kind of you know he's had a rest against Villa he's back in the team now Lukaku up front is, is a given but maybe Sal Niguez is he going to potentially bring him on as a sub is he going to start him it's going to be an interesting game yeah, um, you mentioned the game on um, on Wednesday against um, Villa. I'm thinking right now we could literally almost play two different starting 11s for those games. 
yeah. you know, Kat Kante's fit again. Um, Tuchel yeah. said at his press conference um, earlier today, you know, that gives us four options in midfield. And honestly, I, I think we will probably play Kovacic and Jorginho on on Sunday, and then maybe play Sal and Kante on on yeah. uh, on the on the Wednesday. We've got Loftus Cheek can come in on the, on on the Wednesday, and Chaloba, you know, could play either one of the two games. Kepa will play probably Wednesday, so it gives. It just shows that we have a lot more depth in the squad than Spurs when Spurs had to play, you know, some of their best players yesterday. So um, yeah. I'm just hoping, um, I mean, just, just just for, you know, this is me being selfish and wanting Chelsea to win, but I'm just hoping um, Son's not fit because you could argue that Son's probably a more important player than Kane this season for Spurs. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, I think he's had um, the better season like going back to last season, I think Son's the, arguably their best player that they've got. I know everyone talks about Kane's record, which is perfectly right. They should. But I think in terms of what you get from um, Son, it's an all-rounded player. He's much more committed to the team um, in terms of what he brings to it as well. So I, I think for me, I agree with you. I don't want to see Son in the team. Um, I'd love to see Skip playing. I'd love to see Winks playing. I'd love to see... Uh, Roden playing, Ben Davies playing. You know, I could list the whole Spurs. Bergwijn, I wanted to see him playing as well. There's, there's, um, although I think he came off injured as well, or he, he took a bit of a yeah. luck as well. So, um, yeah, you know, I think we, I think we should comfortably, and I said this against uh, Villa. I think I said this against as well that we should comfortably, comfortably win, or maybe Zenit. Maybe it was Zenit I mentioned in the previous episode, but we should beat Spurs based on the form that they've got now, they're still going through a very transitional period with new manager, new ideas. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting. And like you've just mentioned as well, um, you know, Kante coming back into the fold, it'd be a brilliant game to give him a bit of game time, maybe in, you know, in advance of the Wednesday game as well with the cup game, just to give him a bit of a run out, just to see how he does. Um, I, I can't really see many sort of obvious changes. Maybe the, the Alonso Chilwell, um, Al- Alonso loves playing against Spurs though, doesn't he? Yeah, well he scored the brilliant goal, didn't he, when Spurs played at uh, Wembley, I think, didn't they? Mm. So um th- we've had some good games. And obviously this is a this is a big game for us. We can't afford to lose this one. This one means more to me than it does, say, a Man United or a Man City, or you know, this is a proper game where we can't lose. It's up there with Liverpool for me. You know, these are the kind of games that if we lose this, you will probably never hear from me until like the Monday morning, Monday <laughs> afternoon, because it's that important. But um, let's go for predictions before we wrap up. So um, I'll let you go first. I mean, for me, it's this season is the first time probably since, you know, that maybe the second half of, Con- of Conte's first season where we're going into games and I'm expecting nothing but three points, even yeah. when we're playing, you know, a City, a, a Man U. So um, I think we'll get the three points. I think we'll get the clean sheet as well. And sim- well, you know, unlike that Conte season, when we are playing these games, I think, you know, even when teams are, what is that Stamford Bridge against Villa and Watkins had that chance? I was just almost very calm thinking he's not going to score. He's not going to score. Yeah. I think that's what Tuchel's brought to this team. So I think we'll get the three points and a clean sheet. I'm going to say... I'm only going to say one nil though. I think like um, like we saw last season against Spurs. I'm going to say one nil Kai Havertz. Let's let's say that. An interesting one. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I think we're gonna I'm gonna I think we're gonna smash them. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. I think we're gonna go go all guns blazing. I think the fact that we've had two days. I think from what Thomas mm-hmm. Tuchel said in his press conference earlier that um, you know the boy the boys at the team had a good rest. I think after the the um, game against 
um, Zenit as well. Um, they've had a brilliant couple of days training. They've obviously got today's training session as well, which Spurs potentially won't have had that. So um, I'm going to I'm going to go three nil. I, oh. I yeah, I'm going to go three oh. nil. I think there's going to be a penalty and there's going to be a red card as well. Yeah, I'm going mean, to say a penalty. I'm going to say, I need to find out who the ref is as long as it's not off. Uh, it won't, it won't. It can't be them. Like, it's too soon after the Liverpool game, I feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was, well, we won't touch on, but yeah, it was uh, comical during the uh, Champions League. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, um, I'm going to go 3 0. I think we'll keep a clean sheet. I think, you know what, defensively, we, we, we're definitely solid at the back. I think as long as we can, we can get that midfield right. Because I feel like the, the Villa game, um, even Zenit as well, there's times where, and Liverpool as well, there was times where that midfield just wasn't 100% right. Mm. And I feel like that's potentially where the breakdown is sometimes within the, the the style of football that we're trying to play. So I think we get that right. Maybe bring in, like you said, you know, Kovacic and um, Jorginho seem to work against Zenit. It's going to be a totally different game against Tottenham. So get that right. Keep Lukaku happy. Lukaku can feed that ball into Werner or Havertz or Mount, whoever it is. Use those channels. 3-0 clean sheet like penalty it. red card for Spurs <laughs> die a red card Jorginho penalty yeah that's it that's <laughs> the one maybe Lukaku if he wants yeah. to get the uh, the goal tally up yeah I'm waiting for our first penalty of the season to, to see, see what takes we do yeah to see who yeah. takes it it's, it's going to be interesting, be interesting. I, I think Jorginho would keep them but I think that's obviously going to have that discussion maybe beforehand before the game starts mm-hmm. you know you take the first one and if we get another one you know maybe I can take it but we'll have to see but um, yeah so Episode 23 finally wrapped up. So again, if you're you're on Twitter or Instagram, give us a follow um, at From the Shed End on Twitter and at From the Shed End with underscores between each of the words on Instagram as well. We're also on YouTube, so subscribe to our channel. Let us know in the comments if you agree with everything we've discussed today or you disagree. Let us know, um, and and yeah, you know we're going to be back next week. I think to hopefully cheer on the fact that we beat Spurs 3-0 there's been a red card for Spurs and we've got a penalty and it was Jorginho and we're also going to be reviewing the uh, cup game as well against Aston Villa um, as we kick off our Carabao Cup I think it's still called the Carabao Cup or EFL Cup they change it every season so um, EFL Cup is what we'll go with we'll be talking about that as well and anything else that happens from now until Monday so thank you all for listening episode 23 of From the Shed End and we will be back next week